This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. Brace yourselves, there's a lot to deal with here. Scott Owen. Firstly, Raw Fans of Melbourne are going to have your head for that. And Adam Pace. <laughs> it's good to see that you're listening. Starting now. Well, it wasn't the most fun of weekends for the Brisbane Roar as both teams wound up going down. But the good news is we've still got plenty to cover on this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Episode 34 for Season 7. I've lost track of uh, where we're at in terms of numbers, but I think we've well and truly blown past the 200 uh, episode mark. As you can tell, we're uh, really on top of it around here. I'm James Coglin, the host, and I'm pleased to be joined by Scott Owen. Scott, how are you going? Good talk to you again, James. I think we're well past 200 now. It could be up to almost our 250th. Yeah, I really should go back and count those numbers. I did it at the end of last season and then kind of forgot where I wrote it down. So uh, one person who doesn't forget where he writes down the Player of the Year votes is Adam Pace. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. And I'm glad to be back. Uh, I, uh, he had a very productive episode uh, last week without me, so uh, hopefully the bar is not uh, set too high, unlike on Sunday. I said this on Sunday, we can't set the bar high, James is short. <laughs> yes, I'm now recycling gags from the Sunday show, James. That is what oh. we are having to resort to now. After the way this weekend has gone, that's what we've got to resort to. Oh, oh, oh I'm actually allowed to uh, contribute here, am I? Once yeah. every, once every yeah. while. <laughs> Alright, well, uh, pissing matches aside, let's get on to... Uh, some very brief match recaps because, quite frankly, well, you had uh, a frustrating result for the men and what was, for all intents and purposes, a dead rubber for the women. So, let's start with the men. Um, 4-1 loss to the Central Coast Mariners. Jay O'Shea with a late consolation penalty. And, uh, yeah, we're really not going to spend too much time on this one because that was really not good. And I think if you ask most of the players, even they would admit that was one of if not the worst performance. Actually, no, it wasn't the worst performance of the season, but I think most would say that is definitely well below the standard any would expect of the, the side this season. It just it just seems like they didn't show up to the game, Adam. Yeah, uh, norm, normally they have a very, very good side, uh, got a good record at uh, at Industry Group Stadium, but uh, look, uh, Mariners who are flying high and uh, are sitting, you know, looking like they're going to be playing finals football, they really showed their class and just really put away uh, the Raw, you know, quite comfortably, and this game was pretty much over inside half an hour. Yeah, it was a fast start from the Mariners. The Raw got caught napping, and by the time most people would have um, finished the first drink of the match, it was over as a contest, and look, I love the optimism when O'Shea's penalty went in of a couple of players thinking, hey, let's see what we can do here, but Scott, it... It, it was just a bad day at the office all around. The game was well and truly up by then, James. The first half in particular was, you said it was possibly their worst performance of the year. The first half, I think, was the worst 45 minutes of the season. It, it was really, really odd because the, in the month Nick Green's been in charge, the one thing he's really stressed is defensive pressure and trying to win the ball back, getting in the face of the opposition. And they just seemed to be really standoffish in the first half. Really, it's allowing the Mariners far too much time on the ball and they just completely picked picked them apart as good sides will do and at the other end I think at one point the stat was touches inside the opposition penalty area Central Coast 35 Brisbane Raw 2 so it wasn't really working at the other end either unfortunately it was just a really really bad day at the office a penalty each way in the second half but really the game was up in the first half and it was a 
deserved win for the Mariners. Yeah, and it is probably a good reminder of just how far the Raw's rebuild project in the offseason has to go in terms of, like, the Mariners, they're top four, I think third or fourth at the moment. And They've that's, just gone past Wellington into fourth, I think. Yeah, okay, so that that's the gap you've got to close just to get into the top four, let alone competing with Melbourne City and Adelaide. So, like, from a, from a league-wide perspective, like, I, I'm trying to think, like, these bad days at the office, they've had Newcastle away, that was one. I would also probably say City at Suncorp in round two. Can you think of any other ones where you've just sat there and gone, well, that really just didn't go to plan this week, did it? No, personally, no. I think that they're the... That, and this is what's so, I guess, you know, disappointing, I guess, you know, results-wise for the Raw, if we're sort of, you know, you know, a summary of the season so far, is that other than those those three games, they've been in most other games. So the fact that they sit in, you know, at one stage, they, they were... Well, they are bottom of the ladder at the moment. Yeah. I, I do believe. So, yeah, with... with um, yeah, with, with Melbourne uh, victory winning over the weekend. And like I said, but they've only really, of, of the 21 games they've played, they've only been, out, they've been, only been outclassed, you know, three games this season where you could say, you know what, they were no hope. Which is a, is a, is a sight less than, you know, previous, quite, bottom teams of previous seasons where we've had some absolute, you know, shocker, shocking teams, you know, finish bottom of the league in, in previous years. Look, if, if the Raw are to finish last, you know, that's going to be a case of, look, they haven't actually played that badly, you know, in most possible season. They just haven't been able to win. And, that, and, that's, and that's probably the Achilles heel at the moment. That all comes back to, you know, a lack of attack. But defensively, they've been pretty good with a couple of, with a couple of you know, minor minor glitches. And the, and the trip to uh, McDonald Jones Stadium earlier in the year and this this uh, performance on Saturday, brave the two standout defensive um sort of days off, I suppose you could call it. Yeah, and for me, it's just a case of, like, they've been close, but not close enough. It's, what, 22 games played, if my maths is correct, as I frantically search for the ladder on my screen, which I can't find. But, yeah, 22 games played. They've been competitive in 19 of them, but I, I think if you're looking for a headline for the raw season, it's been close, but not close enough. And also that... They benefit, benefited from the fact that a lot of the teams in the competition have struggled with consistency. Like, I feel like if you put this side up against the 2018-19 side, the um, Aloisi Davies year, or the oh, what was what was that season? 20 or 2009-10, um, when it was Farina into Ange. Well, technically Farina and Gerardo into Ange, but. I feel like this side would comfortably play those two off the park, especially in their current forms. Like, when uh, this side is out with four games in the season compared to how those two were shaping up with four games in the season, Scott. They possibly would. It would be interesting to see the way that went. It. But, yeah, I do agree. The three games that you've mentioned there, the this game, the uh, Newcastle game and Melbourne City, would be the Olympic podium of, of raw games where they haven't quite hit the mark. But... The other thing I would say, you mentioned, what would you say the main headline would be for this team for the season? Close, but not close enough. The other one I would add is not enough goals. Well, that's what it, well, close, but not that's close enough. That's the other problem. They, don't, the they haven't scored enough goals this season, unfortunately. Now, it would have made, when you can see four goals in a game, it's really difficult to see how you can 
how you can win, but most of the games have been that tight that if they hadn't been able to get another goal here or there, they'd probably be a bit further up the table, but it's just a, that's the other, other main headline for the season. Well, just quickly, Adam, before you chime yeah. in, so I'm looking at their last six defeats. Four have been by a single goal, and the other two were the aforementioned Newcastle and Mariners games. Yeah, like, exactly. Like I, like, I don't... I don't think I'm really going out on a limb and saying, like, the results just have not been good enough this year. But if you dig into the stats a little bit more, you would realise that it's bad, but not completely unsalvageable. If that makes sense. Like, it's, well, you yeah, look okay. make finals this year. Huh? Well, like we were talking about before we started recording. If this if this is the effort we're going to see over the last four games, not a chance, and they're going to finish with a wooden spoon. If we get the side that. Uh, outplayed Western United in the prior game. Like it, it's a big ask, and I still wouldn't be putting anything. I wouldn't be putting five cents on that. But there is still a path, and I, I was going to save this until um, a little bit later. But let's just get this over and done with now. Um, if results go the right way, if the results go the way I'm expecting them to this weekend, the Raw could finish the se- uh, the weekend in eighth place, and they would be two points behind Sydney FC in sixth. And they like, play next, and they play the following week. Yeah. Now look, the for following me, round. Yeah. So, and so I'm looking at this saying, I think they're going to get six points out of the last four games. And that will clearly not be enough, but I'm hoping it will be enough to get them out of the bottom four and avoiding an Australia cup playoff. That for me is what I'm hoping for, for the rest of the season. Oh look, it's. Uh, I guess if you look, a case of looking for any positive. I think it's, you know, for the optimistic uh, fans left in the raw fan base, that's probably the one uh, you aim for. Is that you know, eighth place means no, no playoff. Uh, so because I, I think at the moment, you know, I, I don't. I, we haven't heard any announcements yet. What's going on with, uh, with, I think technically round seven because those because those playoffs sit around sit as technically round seven. Uh, we only just found out about the Queensland's path and how that's been played out. Now we've got snuck into a draw, but we'll deal with that on another show. So, so yeah, I don't know if that game will be played before the, you know, it played at the end, of the back end of this season, or will it be played at the start of the new season? Because, like it or not, the Raw, the Raw squad that goes in these final three games of the season, more than likely will be very, very different to the, the Raw as four games ago. Oh, okay. It's four games ago. Melbourne away doesn't count. It is three games. (laughs) (laughs) Well, three three to four games to go. Either way, um, look, at the end of the day, uh, it's it's going to depend on on sort of, yeah, because this squad now is going to be very, very different squad that starts and more than likely going to be a new coach as well. So... Yeah, I think. Um, well, we might say, we part... might shelve that, Adam. We might just shelve that for a little bit later on. Oh no, no, I was a yeah. No, 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 no I was just like... gonna. Yeah, I'm, so I'm the opposite point of view regarding the games to come potentially to what could happen because they play Newcastle this week and Newcastle are within one game of the top six themselves, and then they play Wellington away, which is the oh, toughest Wellington. place to go in the competition, and they're still trying to fight for a top four spot in a home semi final. Then they play Sydney, who are fighting for their lives, and then. Melbourne away, which we know is the place where the Raw really do struggle to get a result, although ironically, they did beat victory, I think, this year down at Amy Park once already, so maybe that might be a possibility, but 
it's a tough run in for the Raw in the last month, and I think they're going to need at least 10 points to make the six games. I know you talk about how they're only five points or whatever, but they're going to need at least double that to get close to making make it to... into the six. I, I think the result of the weekend means that, unfortunately, I think there'll be no finals football this year. That's just my view on it. I'm going to stick with my... Um, uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Disclaimer, that's it. Um, it's mathematically possible, but that's, that's as far as I'm willing to go. And I quite honestly think with the way things are shaping up right now, they're probably going to need 12 points. I think they need to win out and still have a little bit of good fortune to run down the six teams that they need to to find a way into the finals. In fact, the match, I think that they are... I would start them at seven dollars. Uh, you know, if I was framing the markets, will be against Wellington. That is going to be incredibly tough. Um, go go across to New Zealand uh, to get anything out of it against that that Wellington side. That are you know they go they're going along all right at the moment. They they're going to be they're going to be playing to solidify their finals chances. So they they're not going to want any, any slip ups themselves. So that's going I think that's almost. I'm not going to say guaranteed, but very, very hard to see the Raw pick up anything out of that. I, I do think the two games at home, as we were talking about before we we started recording, I think that the Raw at home this season, I think, have been have been good where, you know, even if they've lost games, they haven't lost by much. Um, like I said, or other than the, than the Melbourne City game in round two, which, again, that was only 2-0, and that was, but they got blown off the park. But the two really bad results we were talking about before, yeah, were on the road, so I think that at home their chance that well that game against Wellington in New Zealand is going to be a tough one. And look, Melbourne victory at Amy Park, look, God knows what will happen there. That's especially being potentially 11th versus 12th. Well, could also po- be them fighting for six, but that's a whole other mm. story. Well, the point I'm just looking at now, I've got the form lines up on um, one of those results sites. Every team that they play over the coming four weeks, as it stands, will have something to play for going into that match. Whether it's you know a final spot, whether it's an Australia Cup uh, playoff spot, or whatever the hell it's going to be. But, like the Raw have got six points from their last five games. Just as a point of comparison, Newcastle, in their last five games, have two draws, and they've given up late equalisers in both of those. Uh, up next is Wellington. They've got seven points from their last five. Uh, who's after that? It's Sydney at home. Sydney have got four points from their last five. And finally, it's Victory, who, prior to the Derby resumption tonight, have seven points from their last five. We're not going to go open up that can of worms, Adam, because I think we may wind up saying something that gets us cancelled about how stupid that is. But... Your words, not mine. That's My words are a lot harsher. Well, mine's the uh, family-friendly version. I could say a lot worse. But, <laughs> Look up my Twitter see what my real thoughts on that. But my point... Yeah, there's Adam's uh, little plug for his Twitter account. But my point is... Like, the Raw... It, we don't know which version of any of these teams we're going to get, be it the Raw, the Victory, Newcastle, whatever. So who the hell knows how it's going to unfold? And if, if you're looking for a reason to still watch the final games... If nothing else, the Raw can really screw up the other four teams one way or another. Say they take a point off Wellington, like there's still something to look forward to. Um, let's wrap this up. I think I think I think as Raw fans, I think we will as all I try take to wrap it up. a lot of 
Sorry, just a, one final point. As Raw fans, I think that we will take a great enjoyment if we can go to Anzac Day Eve and stuff up Sydney completely. I think that's pretty much, you know, I think game from here. As Scott is frantically shaking his head because he wants Not Sydney from what he win. said. Just Adam used one phrase, which I'll get to in a couple of weeks' time, but we'll get to that. <laughs> okay. Marketing departments, get in the damn bin. Okay. All right. I'll, as, get uh, to, I'll explain it in a couple of weeks' time when we okay. get to it. Okay. Yes, you may wrap up now. Okay, I'm surprised Scott didn't break out his wooden spoon prop for this one. But anyway... Um, I'm, three... I'm, I'm bringing a novelty one in for next week. Okay. <laughs> well, you're going to show up to Redcliffe with it on uh, Saturday? No, not, no, no, no. Um, no, no. And just also a quick note as well. Um, Saturday's game against the Jets kicks off at 5pm, not 4, because the southern states are finally getting rid of... of getting gotten rid of daylight saving uh, for the next six months. So, do not be surprised when uh, kickoff is an hour later than normal on a Saturday. Just public service announcement. We're doing our and bit. Take your jacket as well while we're giving out public service announcements. It will be cold up at Redcliffe on Saturday night. And it, and if you do and if you do go up to Redcliffe earlier, enjoy the beaches and the pubs and the uh, restaurants and whatnot. That's all uh, right, Mister Mayor. That's <laughs> enough. That's enough. <laughs> well, uh, we I'm going to get paid. Do we have another election coming up? Because I'm really sick of those. Anyway, uh, my 3-2-1 votes for the Mariners game, by the way. O'Shea, Sepovich, and Hoare. Uh, the women also closed out their season, uh, taking on Perth. It was a 1-0 defeat for the Raw women. Um, Scott, your thoughts on the match? Yep. Well, Perth thought they might have something to play for in this game. They had an outside chance of making finals. That was already eliminated with the result earlier in the day. So both teams were were basically playing for pride and... It wasn't a bad game to end it, end out the season. Glory got the points in the end. It was a pretty good performance from the Raw, but I mean, not a lot you can say about it. It was a game where they played. It was a it was a good occasion there at Parc de Paris on Saturday. It was Kim Carroll's last game, her finishing up here in Queensland was a great note. I think today Jessie Rashad it was announced that she is finishing up as well. So it was great to see her have her kids out in the field before the game as well. So it was a nice occasion and a. The result was largely meaningless, unfortunately, but it was a, a decent way to finish the season. Yeah, and we will say best wishes to Jesse Rashid, uh, following on from what we said about Kim Carroll uh, last week. That is the end of a pretty impressive career, and well, at least professional career. It sounds like, based on the uh, Raw story today, her NPL career will be continuing. The question is, for which club? We'll just have to yeah. wait and see. Only, only 45 games, which, again, that's still a, a fair contribution uh, for Jesse Rashard as a A-League women's player, uh, a, a late bloomer. Look, I suppose you can say, you can say, but you know, certainly uh, for both Canberra and the Raw, she was she was a very, very solid, um, a solid player. Like, she, obviously, you you won't go a you know any time look at her as a you know, a potential Matilda or anything like that. But sometimes it's not all about that. It's you know just playing at the highest level possible. And and she certainly as a defender you know was was very very handy. So look, we wish her well in um I said what she does for the future. Like I said, at least at, at professional level. But I think yeah, we haven't heard the last of her from uh, at uh, the MPL level, which we are still very invested in. Absolutely, the versatility is interesting, isn't it? Because you think about her two years here in Brisbane, James. She must have played every defensive role you could possibly ask, from from full back to wing back to centre back to to leading the back line. She would have filled all all those different roles over the the two years. So versatility is also a really really big thing, and I think that's one thing that the Raw will miss next year is having that player who can fill into multiple different roles in the back line. 
And considering as well, that, yeah. sorry, sorry, James. Considering as well that we thought at the start of the season that you know she would just be, you know, pretty much you know mentorship, you know, playing that last uh, sort of you know that last season, uh, you know, sort of mentor with some young defenders coming through. The fact that she pretty much played every game uh, shows as well that you know she obviously stepped up her game to a point where you know she basically picked herself every single week. And look, she was one of the better players uh, this season. I will get in the season season review shortly, but um, yeah, she she was in the top sort of number of players uh, this season for the role. And uh, we'll also say one career A League goal, which turned out to be the winner away in Adelaide a couple of months ago. So that was also a nice little nice little note for the uh, career. And just before we go into anything else, uh, we'll say Gareth McPherson uh, caught up with you guys for one last chat after the match. So let's hear what he had to say. Yeah, I'm incredibly proud. Uh, the with, with the league crossover of registration periods, we knew that uh, like the the Gorries, the Crummers, the Lins were going to be not here for the whole time, and we have belief in these Queenslanders that they can compete at this level and uh, as I said saying last week after the Melbourne uh, the drawdown in Melbourne that we like we're producing good players and it's nice to see them getting some exposure uh, and getting game time and making their own names for themselves it's going to take a while um, yeah it's going to take a while so uh, it, it's I very proud of um, they turn up the fight and spirit and the quality of what they can do as well. Yeah, they've been in, in most games all season long. Uh, one player in particular, I think that maybe not necessarily a Queenslander, we're, yeah. we're going to adopt her, but yeah. uh, Shay Connors. Yes. Uh, from the top, from her first game of the season to now, yep. how much of you know, a rise has she had in, in as far as you know, her ability and her performances this season? Um, Shay should be incredibly proud of, of what she's done. She's a fighter. She never gives up. She loves the club. Uh, she's on the leadership team. Um, and the, she's the excitement. Like She's an out-and-out striker. Uh, she gets the ball. People stand up on the edge of their seat. They know she's going to try something. Sometimes, sometimes we don't know what she's going to try, but um, that all adds to the excitement and, and the player that she is. It would be an incredibly tough person to try and mark. Uh, because it's not always as scripted as what you might get with some other strikers. So it's been nice to see her grow and finish the season really strong. I know how hard she's worked on her game. I know um, some of the disappointments she had at the start of the year when she wasn't maybe scoring as many goals as what she would like. So very proud of her. And she is definitely an adopted Queenslander. She made her A-League debut up here uh, for us. And uh, is you know is is a is a Brisbane Raw player. She she is one of those Queenslanders I was talking of earlier on. But again, she's really only in her second season. So uh, again, incredible to think too that um, you know in her second season in the A League, she's banged away seven or eight goals, I think, seven or eight last year. So yeah. And finally, um, obviously, you've got to be proud of the younger pl- of the younger generation, as you spoke before. Yeah. Players like Azara Kruger, yeah. Leah Deverne, Tamar yeah. Levin. Um, yeah. Obviously, all, all Queensland players. Holly McQueen's another one comes yeah. to mind. Um, obviously, there's a great sense for the future um, yeah. for the club with these players uh, going on. Yes, and I think it, being a being a one club state that it's and that's what brought myself and a lot of our staff into the role as well that 
that was something that we deeply believed in, that uh, we don't need to look outside of Queensland um, when players move on or go overseas. We have them right here. And to see... I was even talking before, Jamila Rankin, yeah. 19, 20 years old, is now in yeah, her third so season. We forget that she's, yeah, she's still a young cap- player. She captained the yeah. team down in Western Sydney two years ago. Uh, but yeah, Tamar Levin, Zara Kruger at 16 years old, playing 90 minutes week in, week out. And these these players will become superstars in the comp. They'll become uh, very, very good players and the exciting thing is that in a year, a season or two, that they're going to be 19, 20 and they're going to have two to three seasons under their belt and minutes too, not just yep. um, not just uh, in the squad and, and, you know, picking up little bits and pieces here and there. It's serious minutes in, the, in their legs. And a big thanks to Gareth for his time, not just on the weekend, but uh, all throughout the season as well. Always patient, very happy to uh, have a chat and always willing to uh, answer the questions, which is quite nice so yeah it was, uh, thanks to him for his cooperation this season and I haven't really got much more to add someone bail me out of this quickly oh to say yeah no Gareth always good chat uh, and and look also as well speaks his mind on a lot of issues which is what which is what we love we love hearing that you know it's not just it's not just the sort of normal cliches and all that you know it's always you know he always has something interesting and you know and and is a big proponent as well of you know of the young players obviously you know he he, you know, being being a former QAS coach, he's always putting the, the young players forward, and every at every chance he speaks, he gets to speak. He speaks highly of you know the young talent coming through at the raw. So um, yeah, look, uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, it's a it's a he always it's a very very good um, chat with him. Yep, without a doubt, and um, we'll say as well. Uh, that's pretty much all we can say about the game. So let's get into the season review as well. Uh, wasn't a great campaign uh, for the women either. It kind of... I can't remember where I had the rule finishing, but I think it might have been about 7th or 8th. They wound up finishing uh, ninth in the end. It was 4 wins, 6 draws, and 8 defeats for 18 points. Um, obviously losing 3 points after the uh, ineligible player issues uh, around the Western United game. So technically, if you're just going with 90-minute results... It was five wins, six draws, and seven defeats, but that's not what the ladder reflects. Um, 16 goals for, 31 against. That was actually equal for the uh, least prolific attack in the competition with Adelaide United and Western Sydney Wanderers. Uh, 31 goals conceded. Not bad, but about 10 goals ahead of, well, 10 goals higher than uh, every team that's in the finals. Well, not every team, but near enough to. Overall thoughts, uh, let's go to you first, Scott. Firstly, equal, you said 16 goals, equal with Adelaide United. Adam is the absolute kiss of death. He was so sure Adelaide were going to run away with the Premiership this season. So for them to finish on 16 goals, I just had to throw Adam slightly under the bus there. But I had them finishing you know, second ahead. too, so I, I, I probably... I think I had them going quite well as well, but I just had to, had to throw Adam under the bus on that one. But for the Raw, it's their equal lowest win tally, equal lowest finishing position, and I think it's one of their lowest... So it hasn't been a great season, but you look at the the real wins out of this season for the Raw are the young players who've come through and shown what they can do. Players like Tamar Levin, who we thought at the start of the year might be a bit of a squad player, turns out she's played basically in every single game and has stepped forward over the course of the season and had a really impressive year. Players like Zara Kruger, who who came through that Lions system, Junior Matilda, doing really well. So that's the real win. And then players like Shea Connors, who over the second half of the year really stood up when 
when some of the senior players did go overseas for various reasons, taking up options with other clubs or returning to their parent clubs, she really stepped up and led the team, didn't she, in the last four to five weeks of the season with her goals and her output. And that's that's the sort of things you look at in terms of positives. The other thing is, I think maybe a couple of the um, import players maybe unfortunately weren't quite up to the level, unfortunately. To an extent, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. And what, what sums up the season for me overall was just the absences. You look at the players who just couldn't feature for whatever yeah. reason. Mariel That's probably he- a better way to phrase it. Some of them just weren't available for long enough. Yeah, Mariel Hecker uh, did her ACL, unfortunately, although it looks like she's going to be fit and firing for the start of the new season. At least is Mariel, like- Mariel's a local, isn't she? Yeah. Or she will be, maybe. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm just talking about overall in terms of the squad as well. You had um, Katrina Gorey uh, and Larissa Kramer missing time as well. Um through their national teams and other um, commitments as well um, and just other niggling injuries Annie Haffenden I think I would have loved to have seen more from her this season but just nagging injury that it felt like she couldn't shake Holly McQueen uh, working her way back to fitness as well good news is though I think that means um, she's going to be sticking around for another year and I've got really high hopes for her in the coming campaigns but it was just a case of it did feel like they were a little bit short in a couple of areas not all bad news, though. As you mentioned, Shay Connors was a pretty impressive uh, performer over the second half of the season. And, um, yeah, just kind of like the men, close, but uh, not close enough, Adam. Yeah, look, um, if you, I guess yeah, in one regard, you can probably look at it as as pretty much it, it was a disappointing campaign. I think, as what Scott said earlier, the, the stats don't lie. It's probably, it's yeah. You know, it, it is the worst campaign as far as you know points. One of, not the worst. Of. It's only one of. One of, but uh, but yeah, I, I just think yeah, it it relied too much this season on you know, a Katrina Gorey, yeah, you know, Alyssa Kramer, yeah, you know, and and look, I think that's where where it came down to when when those players were firing the raw were competitive when they weren't, um, it wasn't so great. Look, that's not to say that it wasn't to say that you know, it was a complete you know. Uh, complete disaster. Um, look of the senior players. Uh, look, each Norrie as captain. I think she she tried hard most of the season. Uh, also, as well, like so I thought, Jesse Rashard had a very very good season, uh, as well as I said earlier. But I think also as well, for taking trying to take the positives. And there's one player I am purposely leaving out because I'll get to her at the end. Um, look, the the um, young the young players stepping up and you know getting getting minutes. I think that's important. Zara, Zara Kruger. Uh, you know, Tamar Levin, you know, you know, even even we forget that Jamila Rankin is still only is still only you know very young, you know, and she and she captained the team against West Sydney Wanderers. So uh, Kaya Stevenson as well got got minutes as well. So um, yeah, and look, and I think we also forgot, you know, I think Hensley Handcuff as well. I thought was you know an absolute you know revelation as far as you know yeah yes thirty one goals conceded, but. Look, then again, you know, defensively, you got, like I said, you can't always blame the keeper. But look, I think for me, the big positive of all is uh, Shay Connors. Uh, I, I think, I think that like, she looks like now, not only just an A-League player, I actually think that she looks like one of the top-level A-League players. And that, and I think, you know, she'll only get better over, you know, for next year, as will a number of other players. So I think, you know, if you look at it this season in isolation, yeah, it's disappointing. But if, they, if the Raw can keep the, the nucleus that side together and maybe add a couple of players, you know, and replace some of the underperforming visa players, you know, then, look, 
I still think that yeah, this is a good this is a good team that's on the way up, and maybe the rebuild is not complete just yet. Well, just quickly on that as well, the thought just popped into my mind before we go to you, Scott. You remember the jump Mariel Hecker made in her second full season with the Raw? I'm not counting Shay's first stint where she played a couple of games, I think. One one game. Uh, either way, yeah, I'm not counting that as her... But, like, this is her second full season with the Raw, and it seems like she has sort of made that massive leap um, just in terms of overall confidence and whatnot as, as a player. Scott, over to you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, and that's absolutely the case. And with Shay, again, once it's a bit like with Henry Hoare in the men's team. Once she got that that breakthrough goal earlier in the season, I think it was against Melbourne Victory at Perry Park from memory. Once once that went in, her confidence just seemed to grow and grow and go. And over the last half of the season, basically all the goals that were all scored either were scored by Shay or were put on as an assist by her. So her confidence really did grow over the course of the season. Uh, and it was Wellington at uh, AJ Kelly. Oh, sorry, my mistake. Oh, that was yeah. that was the first goal, but yeah, that the, was, the, that the, was, the um, Melbourne Victory goal that was Melbourne the Victory absolute, goal was absolute oh, yeah. spectacular goal. But I'm glad I didn't mention Hensley Handcuff because in the first half of the year in particular, she was absolutely outstanding. I remember coming on the show every single week talking about how good she was, how well she was playing, and what positive impact she was having on the side. So that that worked out really, really well for the Raw. I just wish Marielle Hecker had stayed fit. Mm-hmm. That would have just. I said before the show, I was for the season. I thought she could have been the real X factor of the competition, the player who could really light the competition up. Unfortunately, her knee went and she wasn't able to play, but that was a real shame because she was all all set for a big year for the Royal Wasn't She had that good end of the year in the NPL with Lions and seemed like it was all set for her to go and light the competition up. So that was a disappointment. The other thing I would say is players like Deshaun Fryers, the Holly Palmers, Jimmy yeah. Ranks took a step forward, particularly the latter two in terms of the leadership they started to show. Those two, Holly, Holly Palmer in the middle of the midfield, starting to take a bit more ownership in that area of the field was really nice to see and as Adam mentioned Jamila Rankin led the side really well in that Western Sydney game so there's certainly a lot of positives to take out of it even despite the um, final finishing position yeah all, all up and down the park there are plenty of positives as well you think yeah, yeah. handcuff like she was the runaway leader in the early part of the season for the uh, player of the year votes but she was eventually run down by the eventual winner um, and as you may have seen on Saturday Adam had the chance to present the trophy to the winner and based on the praise we've just given her, it is no surprise to confirm that it was Shay Connors uh, taking out the award, the third winner for the Brisbane Football Review uh, Player of the Year award for the A-League Women's, following on from Emily Gilnick in season, in the first season we did that, and Katrina Gorry last year. So, um, Adam, you had a chance to catch up with Shay Connors after the match. Let's hear what she had to say. I'm joined by our 2022-23 Women's Player of the Year, Shay Connors. Shay, first of all, congratulations um, on a stellar season. Thank you so much, Adam. Thanks for being here every game. Yeah, no, not a problem. Um, you, you've, you've, you've had three seasons now in the, um, in the women's. Do you feel like this year has finally been your year where you've really sort of, you know, felt like that you're, you, are, you belong in this league? Yeah, for sure. For the second half of the season, I really felt like I kind of came into my own and Moving into nine is where I originally used to play, and a lot of coaches usually play me out wide, but I felt like really at home, and it really changed things for me. And just finally, so I won't keep you from your fans okay. as well. Obviously, um, you, you've obviously now get to have a season off. Yes. Any plans to go home, or uh, you, see you love it too much here in Australia? Uh, I'm never leaving Australia, hopefully. But uh, I think my mom and sister will come in July, so that'd be really oh, nice. So, yeah. It's no problem. Thanks, thanks, Shay, for your time, and congratulations Thank again. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And a thoroughly deserved 
award for Shay Connors there as well. Um, Adam, do you want to run us through the final votes if you've got them on hand? I do have them on hand. And, uh, yeah, Shay Connors uh, winning with 70 votes ahead of Hensley Handcuff with 50, Katrina Gorry third on 45, and Aisha Norrie and Jamila Rankin uh, 32 each uh, rounding out the top five, so so yeah. Look, at the end of the day, look, we, we did say that you know the young players did did sort of you know they took a step forward, but again, those votes get sort of show that you know who were the most important players uh, in in the squad this season. Then one player we didn't also mention that was a late was sort of you know a late you know addition was. Um, uh, Indy Page Riley. Uh, well, we have look, to leave that for the president of the Indy fan club. <laughs> but like, like I said, she she um like, also as well. She she was learning a new position as well. At, uh, that you know she was playing in that uh, in that w- uh, right wing back role uh, for for the season. So even she you know as well like she like she's got she's got a big you know you know six months coming up. Obviously you know with the with the. Uh, the football ferns in the World Cup, so I think hopefully that you know what she gained from playing with the um, with the Royal Season will sort of help her you know at at uh, international level, especially in this very very important year for women's football. For sure, and uh, there is a lot to look forward to in the coming months as well. Um, Shay's actually a, a dual winner now. In now, she is the our she first. Won an yeah, women's mm. NPL women's won a couple of years ago as well. So the first person to win two different awards. Yep. Well, there you go. She might be getting sick of the side of us by the sounds of it. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, well, and I think the only other point I wanted to make as well, just in terms of the squad as well, because I think we've kind of covered just about everything, but I think when they were fit and firing, I actually really liked that midfield trio that the Raw had when it was Palmer, Norrie, and Gorry. Like, that, that to me, I think is... I don't know how much more they can go back to the well in terms of bringing back Katrina Gorry from her European exploits, which seems like she's having the time of her life over there. <laughs> but um, I think overall, like even if it's just Nori and Palmer and they can look to find that... Sarah th- Kruger steps in. There you go. Mm. Like that, That's probably what I would be thinking, unless Gorry is willing to come back again. With no, sorry, just again. one thing as well, what we got to remember about Zara Kruger... She's, she's 16 years old. That's my God. She, that's yeah. Like I said, so she has got a long future future ahead of her, and like I said, already a, a young Matilda. So yeah, no, she 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 is an absolute you know, one to watch for next season. Where and I think that yeah, as I said before, if the Raw can keep the bulk of this squad together, you know, especially the younger players, look, I, I think that you know they're, they're only gonna get better over time. So Four. I think yeah, for the future, I think it's very, very exciting. I think it's just the, the puzzle pieces to go around that young young group is what's going to be key going forward for next season. Yes. All right. Well, that is the end of the uh, A-League Women's Season Recap. But we do have one last thing that I'm going to uh, throw you two under the bus for. Sydney cool. FC, Western United, Melbourne City, Melbourne Victory. Who wins the uh, championship from here, Adam? Uh, they were back against Ante Juric. Scott? You know my rule. Don't bet against Jeff Hopkins. I don't know what to do here. Um, I'm actually going to... I'm actually going... Although I do actually think Sydney will win it this year in fairness. So maybe that's contradictory, but I think Sydney being the best team, they'll win it. I'm going to go Western United. Mostly just because I want to have three different picks from uh, us and really haven't liked what I've seen from Melbourne City lately. <laughs> I might also be slightly trying to jinx Sydney so that we get the all-Melbourne final just to really annoy the APL. 
Well, Western United can still keep that uh, hope alive as well. Uh, week off for the A-League women and then the finals kick off next weekend. Uh, enjoy the semi-finals. That's all I'm going to say. Um, now, we're going to very quickly uh, wrap this up because uh, my voice is actually starting to go. So um, uh, we'll give uh, the final chat point with uh, the Raw Supporters Federation. They had a quick catch up with members of the club and uh, post the full breakdown of that meeting on their necessary social accounts. Um, plenty of detail has uh, gone into um, the post. 11 points overall to discuss. Uh, I think rather than breaking it down point by point, we might just say what is the main thing that stood out to each of the three of us. Pick a point and we'll just try and get into that very, very quickly. I will go first because I can see the two of you reading them uh, super quickly. Um, and I'll go right to the top. Games will be back in Brisbane next season, most at Suncorp Summit Ballymore, because there was uh, the story about Ballymore, <laughs> the cost of the project blowing out. Who could have seen that coming? Can't wait to see how much the gab is going to wind up costing. Um, Ballymore has a new grandstand, another one to be demolished and rebuilt, and there will continue to be a hill. Anticipated Ballymore will be heavily promoted as family fun day. So by the sounds of it, we're going to be getting those Saturday 4pm, 5pm kickoffs at Ballymore and Suncorp will probably be used for the bulk of it. I'm, I'm expecting maybe an 8-5 split, 9-4 or something to that effect. But um, I think, I think it, the move back to Brisbane needed to happen. Like Redcliffe was fine, but I think the results on the field have kind of forced the hand of a lot of the fans who maybe weren't willing to make that extra effort, Scott. Absolutely. It clearly... Redcliffe as a stadium was nice. It's just it's the effort to get there. Unfortunately, the um, the raw fan base has reached their tipping point in terms of their willingness to travel to that part of the world on a consistent basis. So returning to the CBD is is a practical solution, and I do quite like that. I'll be interested to see what they do with the around around the Ballymore games. I know what the Suncorp games will probably look like. They'll be like what they were the first two this year. The Ballymore games will be really interesting. I don't know if either of you were there for the. FFA Cup game as it was back then against Perth Glory back this would have been 2016-ish it was somewhere around there yep August 2016 because yep and this is one of those times where it's proof that I'm a little bit sad that I remember the exact details of this I tried watching it on the Fox Sports website which by the way all the complaints about Paramount, try making the Fox Sports website work for those. Yeah, uh, you couldn't watch the Australia Cup games on that website. That was a complete waste of everyone's time there. But, but the actual game, say, it was interesting quickly. the way they presented it, okay. James, because they had a... Do you know where the um, main grandstand is on the western side? Just just to the um, the um, southern side, of it, they had a really a roped-off area where only people with tickets could go in, and they had um, a couple little football activations for kids, and they had some food trucks and stuff set up. So they had a really interesting setup for that. So I'll be interested to see exactly how they do present this. If it is genuinely going to be a family fun day type of thing, the way they do it, I'll be intrigued to see what sort of things they put around that. That could be really interesting. The other one is the squad. It said I think 16 players have, have signed up for next season. That could be interesting. A new coach could be coming in soon, so interesting to see how that lines up, but what the squad looks like next year will be an interesting one. So those are the two, two main points I took out of it. Yeah, on the um, squad thing as well, I would love to know what the breakdown of that is. Is it 16 senior contracts or is it 10 senior contracts and 6 scholarship players because we're starting to see a um, few more of those players in the NPL really start to uh, come through. I think I mentioned Trent Millard when I filled in for Adam on NPL Sunday a couple of weeks ago. Um, Ty Cobb might also be an option and 
James he, Nikolovsky as well has done really well. And um, Thomas Waddingham, the striker as well. So that's, you know, four guys who... And not to mention Zahi Addis as well, who they picked up from Gold Coast United. So there, there's a bunch of guys who could be on scholarship contracts that may get an opportunity under the new coach as well. Adam, what was your standout from the RSF uh, post? Yeah, look, um, it's a, in a similar vein, but um, it's more so uh, the the recruitment side or the comparison that that you know of of that oh that you know the raw have a similar have a similar sort of you know, operating budget as far as players go, uh, similar to Central Coast Mariners and Adelaide United, and they're, and they're right up in the table. But, look, I think this is a bit of a furphy as far as... Look, it, there's no comparison because, at the end of the day, it's not about the coach. It's, it's, and it's about it's about the recruitment at the start of the season. And, look, you know, you're not... Like I said, you're not going to discover a player like a Nestor a uh, Nestri Ranakunda or, you know, or for, for you know, Central Coast Mariners of Grand Qual, who are, you know, potentially could be once-in-a-generation players as far as Australian football goes. But, look, the point is, is that, you know, and, and it ties in with also as well, you know, the, the thoughts that the the news that the Raw are going to go back to South, go back to Suncorp and potentially Ballymore. So you can pretty much forget that the this whole experiment of going with a marquee player that's gone because whatever money is left that discretionary funding is to go into paying to for the hire of Suncorp Stadium because it is not cheap. But this is what the fans want. This is what the you know the fans you know have required for the club because they don't like going to Redcliffe. Fine, I think the club has said yes. We we listen to you, but then don't then complain. Oh, there's no marquee players. Oh, there's no. Oh, we can't. We, we can't get get you know play, players in. That you know. At the end of the day, it's going to be a bargain basement. You know, recruiting, and this is going to become so important. This is where you know every bit of Ante Kovacevic, you know, his skill in recruiting the best players is going to come to the fore. Because if we're not, if we're going to avoid a repeat of this season as far as results go. That, risk, that recruitment is going to be absolutely spot on because you're not going to be able to go in the free market and pay whatever for players because that money is going towards uh, is going towards paying for the venue so the fans can be more comfortable. And with that, with the fans go, saying that, those who've been calling out, I implore you, get out and support the club. Don't just wait until the Raw start winning dank come. Because just like I said, otherwise this, this club is, in real, is going to be in real trouble this time next year. Well... That's the one point I also wanted to add on as well. Don't complain that the kickoff times are a little bit inconvenient for you because like, all, all we've seen over the last few years is I'll, I'll start going back to Raw games when they went to Suncorp and when they played two games at Suncorp, they got 8,000 and 7,500. So clearly there are a lot of people talking out of their rear ends with that. But you know when the kickoffs are going to be well and truly in advance. It's not that hard to Google the fixture list as well. It, like, you've clearly got the internet. Look up when the kickoff times are, work out, you know, and make sure that you're there. Like, you know that over uh, summer when the southern states are on daylight saving, kickoff times are going to be, you know, 4pm, 6.45, etc. Don't give us this rubbish that it's too early or it finishes too late or it's too hard to get to or whatever. If you say you're, if you've been saying for two years, I'll go back to Suncorp, don't suddenly say it's too hard to get to. Plain and simple, Scott. Yeah, eight and a half and seven and a half, or whatever it was, is, is much more than at Dolphins. But I do completely accept the point you're making there, James. The other thing I would say is, I completely agree. Marquee player, it just didn't work. For, 
you can play whatever you like about it. The bottom line is it didn't work, and the Raw would be better off spending that money on the match day experience, particularly around those games at Ballymore. Make those a really great, unique experience. The footprint is there, particularly if they are, particularly if they are going to bus people in and all the rest of it, and not necessarily allow too many people to park in and around that precinct. There's a lot of footprint there, James, that you can really make use of and make that a, re- a great, unique experience that makes people think, you know what, I really enjoy the games at Ballymore. I enjoy that uh, that experience and that setup. So I'll be really int- intrigued to see exactly how they do present that if that is the way they go. Oh, sorry, sorry Scott, I just want to just jump on to what you're saying. Is that you, you're, you're 100% correct because at the end of the day, and like so we always accuse a section of the, of the fan base of being a bunch of bandwagoners. Well, the challenge for the club is to make that match day experience so good that at the end of the day, the result is almost secondary. Yeah, look, we want to see the Raw win. But if you can at least say, okay, yeah, the Raw lost, or the Raw drew, but you know what? It was a good time. A good time for the family, good time for your, your mates, depending on how old you are, you know, or whatever. That has got to be the core focus for the Raw. Yeah, especially using Ballymore. Suncorp might be a little bit more difficult because of that, but definitely Ballymore. The, the focus of the marketing team it should be to make it the fan experience is one of the best in the league. Because at the end of the day, then people are not going to go, oh, why would I go back to see the Raw play like garbage? Yeah, it happens. It happens. The Raw aren't going to play well every week. But if the match, ex- match experience is first class, then, you know what? Then people aren't going to be so, so you know, sort of you know, hesitant to go back. That's just, just well- what I want to add to that. Well, all I will say before we uh, move on from this um, easy way to sort of balance that um, match day experience uh, for the games at Suncorp, on the north and south promenades, get, you know, some sort of family activities, get those inflatable fields up on the uh, grassy area on the northern plaza, um, have, like, marquee stands, merchandise activations, the whole shebang. Um, that gets the families in, and if you really want to attract the early 20-something male crowd, work out a deal with honeybees. It's right up the road. That'll get them uh, involved as well. <laughs> Not that I know what that establishment Only the early Other 20s? establishments are available around the area, I'm told. <laughs> oh, come Jeez. on. I just had to get that joke in. I, I think that might be a much larger demographic you're not, you're not getting to. <laughs> yeah, looking at, looking at the crowd on match days, you may be right. It may not be limited to the early 20s. Anyway... <laughs> Um, well, what do you say we wrap up here while I can still talk? Um, quick, uh, do we have to do predictions for Newcastle? We'll just say get out and enjoy the game this Saturday, um, and enjoy the local football as well. There's a full slate of, uh, NPL matches across the men's and women's. Stay tuned for NPL Sunday, recapping it all on Sunday night, and we'll be back next week to review the A-League action on the Brisbane Football Review. We'll talk to you later.